Welcome to episode 587 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And you know what we love? We love feedback. (laughs) Going to start on a sour note tonight. Because we didn't get any after a couple of great weeks of feedback. Uh, and, and by that, I mean feedback. The thing that I liked about last week's feedback especially was that it was one listener helping another listener. Like that's that's the perfect situation. That's always nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because this podcast isn't just about Richard and I screaming in your ear holes every week about the latest consumer entertainment tech. It's it's about building a community around uh, you know the those of us who like this stuff. And so when we can help each other, everybody wins. So if you want to send us, you know, just regular feedback is great too. Uh but especially if you've ever want to help out somebody else, you can do that by emailing us entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com. So without any feedback, we jump straight into the video news this week and tonight we're going to start with a new service, but this is one of those services that I like to uh, not actually use. Uh, this is a new service called, I, I'm going to guess it's in a house. Is that how you would pronounce this, Richard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's C-I-N-E-H-O-U-S-E, Cine House. This is one of those uh, free ad-supported TV and movie streaming services. And this one, I what I think is maybe especially useful about this one is that it has 12 linear channels in addition to having lots and lots and lots of just regular video on demand content, you know, like a, like a Netflix or something like that. And what I, what I think the linear channels, what I think the benefit there is if you don't really know what you exactly want to watch, but you have an idea of the type of thing that you want to watch, then that's kind of where cable TV and linear channels kind of wins. Right. So they're they're doing that with with this new service of theirs. And some of these channels are uh Asian related content, art house stuff, crime, everybody loves crime, uh esports, which I was kind of surprised to see, uh cult movies, anime, obviously a pretty popular one. Um and they also have Dedicated channels for Johnny Carson and for Carol Burnett. Okay, sign me up. I Carol Burnett, I really? am all in. Really? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I, I was just about to say, I don't know who the target demographic is for that. It's me. <laughs> it's me. It's people in their 50s and 60s that loved the Carol Burnett show and yeah, absolutely. Some night you don't know what to watch, watch old like skits from Harvey Corman and Tim Conway and Cal Burnett. Oh yeah, I'm in absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, we've we've found the target and it's Richard. Well, the the other thing that I think is kind of impressive here is that while I I, I think this service is new, it's already available on a bunch of different platforms. If if you want to watch Carol Burnett or any of those other types of things, and there are other channels, I didn't list all 12 of them. Uh, it's already available on Amazon Fire TV, 
Android, Apple TV, iOS, Roku, Xbox, and some smart TVs. So pretty much everywhere. And again, it's free. So you might as well go check it out. Oh, I didn't mention one of those channels. It's an entire channel just for Mystery Science Theater. That's that, that's enough to bring in some people for sure. And again, not necessarily a big Venn diagram between Carol Burnett and Mystery Science Theater, but a very specific audience. For Carol Burnett and esports. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, this this could could be useful for a lot of different people out there. So there you go. Cine House. Check it out. All right. So that was some some happy news. Um I'm curious where you want to take this next story, Richard. It- oh, uh, okay. Well, maybe we should pour one out for something I just never cared about. <laughs> and that would, of course, be CNN Plus. You know, I thought, I thought that the most important ingredient when coming up with a new video streaming service is putting a plus in the name. It was the plus. Turns out, just having a plus isn't enough. It's not enough. Nope. <laughs> the plus isn't enough. <laughs> wow. So CNN Plus was around for about three weeks before getting killed. And the the, the main reason here that it got killed is y- you might remember a couple of months ago, we talked about the big merger that was happening between all of these media conglomerates, including the owners of CNN. And new ownership didn't want this. Right. And what, I don't know, there's a lot of things that kind of blow my mind about all of this. But when when we talked about the launch of CNN+, Plus, we talked about how this service had been delayed and mauled over and delayed and delayed and delayed for months, if not years. And they decided, you know what? Three weeks before this this merger is finalized sounds like the perfect time to launch a new service. Are are you kidding me? Like if you well, were gonna wait that long, <laughs> like just give it a couple weeks for the deal to finalize and let the new owners decide. Well, no, because they had all this work that they'd done on it, and the people who produced this product wanted to see it go to market. So they took it to market and you could argue that it wasn't ready yet. You could argue that the content wasn't good. You could argue that their pricing model was just ridiculous for one channel. You could argue that not having a live channel as part of this, which they can't do because of the carrier deals they have with providers for carrying their live streams, did this in from the beginning. Whatever it is, I'm not surprised, but what I am surprised about was that it was so fast. When the new management took over, this was like the first thing they did. Right. It was like the president coming into office and signing the executive orders that undo all the stuff that the last president did. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Just just gone. Uh, and it'll be gone by the end of the by the end of the week. Like you may be listening to this show and CNN Plus may already be dead. Yeah, did not last long. I'm I'm not entirely surprised with, with all of the delays and everything plus the fact that 
I don't get these services. Like as long as these these big name cable news, like we call them cable news channels for a reason. It's because of the contracts that they have with cable providers. And that contract is the reason why CNN Plus was not able to offer a live stream of the same thing you would see on cable TV. Right. And until any of these providers can get around that or away from that, there's really not going to be much of a future in these types of services. I mean, it depends on the network, right? They have certainly a good catalog of content. I think the thing that the new management team wants to do, as I understand it, is not create these one-off services, but in fact, to create something that offers all of the stuff that they have at Warner or whatever it is that they're going to call this new thing that they have, which combines HBO and Discovery and Warner Brothers and the Turner Networks, all of those things, put them all in one big package and make them available to people. I mean, we already see them doing this with Discovery and HBO, and everybody thought that was bonkers, but in fact, that's what they're doing. So they could perhaps perceive that they'll do better off asking a bigger price tag for a service that offers more than offering a bunch of little services that are going to nickel and dime you for everything. And I get that, but I still don't think that this, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm sure that there are CNN diehards out there who love all of the stuff that isn't live news that's on CNN. But when, when we talk about people cutting the cord and, and still like the things that they say they miss are live sports and live news. And so they're not talking about the CNN documentaries and, and the Fox News documentaries and, and all of that other crap. They're talking right. about right. live news. Yep. And that's the thing you don't get with this service or any of these types of services. So, uh, like, yeah, combining services so that this is with Discovery and HBO Max and all of that stuff is great, especially if you get all of that stuff and get a little bit of a discount from all of this bundling. That's great, but I'm not willing to pay a nickel extra if I don't get the live news part of it. And you're not going yeah. to until these contract situations are dealt with, and, and that's going to take years. Yeah, yeah. The, the one thing that I think is interesting here is, I, you know, I think that there is some life for some of these shows in the future. There were some things they were doing exclusive to this. It, um, among them was... Um, the, this book club thing that Jake Tapper was doing, and I always forget his name, Chris Wallace, uh, the guy that came over from Fox Mm -hmm. who came to CNN, his show, his daily news show where he's the anchor was exclusive to CNN plus. So what happens to that? (laughs) Does that get a time slot on CNN? I hope it does. Right, because Wallace sure is just, a brilliant journalist. He should he's get airtime. Right, he was the best part of Fox News, and they probably just ju- dumped a giant mountain of cash in his lap to <laughs> right. put him on that service. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It'll. I'll. I'll be very curious to see what they do. I. I. I I'm going to be super curious to see what they do in 
in combining all of these different services that uh it come together as as part of this new um th- this this new company which is uh Warner Brothers Discovery <laughs> which is still a name that I just can't get used to saying. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much going on there. I am actually in a rare uh moment of solidarity agreeing with Brian Brushwood's take on this. They should just call the service Max. Call the whole thing Max. That's a brand that they created for HBO. Everybody thought it was ridiculous, but it's stuck. Now that you know what that is, put everything there. It really is the Max. Right? Yeah. I like that. Let's do that. I think I would pay five dollars extra for that, considering that I'm paying nothing for it now because it comes with my AT&T wireless subscription. There you go. What about Max Plus? Should it should it be Max Plus? Oh no. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. No. Fine. Okay. Okay. Well, uh instead of Max, uh, our next story is about Max. M A C S. So I'm going to leave the story to you. That was Perhaps one of the most tortured transitions we've ever done. It was pretty bad. It's it's hard to do a a text-based segue. I I don't know if that was just a bad pun or a dad (laughs) joke. I mean, those two are related, of course. But anyway, yeah. So we, every once in a while, talk about the play-on service, which is something that allows you to um, play streaming content kind of on demand on your own schedule when when you have time to do it. And this service has, I don't know, it's taken a bunch of different forms. It's been available as PC app where you had to run it on a server. It's been available as a cloud app that only existed on mobile devices. Well, now that mobile app for Play on Cloud is available as a Mac app. And I don't know if you remember Josh, but I complained pretty heartily about what a hassle it was when you complain when you recorded something on play on on your mobile app, you then ended up receiving a notification that, oh, this thing has been recorded and now you can go get it and you can download it, and then you end up putting it on your device. And that was a big hassle. But now it's just right on your Mac. You can actually just download it directly to your Mac. And I believe, and I haven't tested this yet, but I believe you can even have it set to do that automatically. So it's nice to see this back on desktop devices. I hope that they do something similar for PCs, but I don't know how soon we're going to see that because my bet is the way they're making this happen is they're using Apple's ability to allow you to take an iPad app and make it work on the Mac. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But this is good news. I'm glad to see this, particularly after we lost the PC app. So who knows? Maybe we'll see something on the PC too. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if, if the app, even if, if it is an iPad app, if it's built with web technologies, then it might not be hard to also port to the PC. Right. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's move on to some audio news. I guess I never know where to put sound bars. No, this is this is audio audio rumors. 
<laughs> okay. Audio rumors. You're right. It is audio rumors. But but are rumors about sound bars, do they belong under audio or do they belong yeah. under video? Yeah, audio. Okay. Well, we're going to leave it in audio, which comes right after video. So even if I don't tell you what, what news section we're in, it doesn't matter anyway. Right? <laughs> so anyway, the rumor that we're talking about here is that Sonos is apparently working on a a new soundbar that would be the lowest cost option in their their lineup. So they currently have two soundbars. They have the Beam, which is $450, and the Arc, which is $900. Both, you know, well-reviewed and well-regarded soundbars, but still fairly pricey. But then again, we expect things to be fairly pricey from Sonos, and you right. generally get what you pay for. Well, the rumor is that this new one is only going to cost you $250, which is ridiculously cheap for, at least in, in my opinion, like that sounds ridiculously cheap for a Sonos soundbar. That's only a little bit more than a Sonos One. I mean, a Sonos One is $190? or No, no. didn't they raise the rates on everything recently? Is that yeah, now I think 200? it's above 200 now, actually. I think it so- is. You can get a Sonos One without an assistant on it, which is actually an interesting point, right? Because one of the ways that they're saving money on producing this is that this is not going to have a mic on board. So it's not going to have that built-in assistant capability that everyone's kind of expecting now with new Sonos devices. Does anyone use that on a soundbar? I think it depends on your use case. I I think that if I were using either Amazon's or Google's assistant, that I would enable it because why not? Why not have it there right in the family room and not have to have an Echo or a a Nest somewhere in that room? But I'm not doing that. I'm actually using Siri for my assistant. (laughs) So I can't take advantage of that on my beam or on on my arc but it's built into it so i don't know and let us know yeah you have an arc if you have one of the assistant enabled sonos speakers do you use the assistant on your sonos speaker well on your sound bar specifically is what i'm curious about because if you've got Okay. Just like a Sonos One or a Sonos Five, or you know, all, all of those different regular speakers in a place, then you probably are going to use it as an assistant because that makes a lot of sense. I'm just not convinced that having the assistant on my soundbar makes a ton of sense because, right? I I feel like in that environment, I'm really only using the the assistant to play music, and I'm probably just going to do that through the TV. Like I've got Spotify on my TV or whatever. Maybe I'm thinking about this entirely wrong, or maybe I'm skewed because I do have a Google Assistant device, a, a Nest Hub display in my kitchen, and it's close enough to my TV that I can just yell loud enough for that thing to hear me and do all of the other commands. And, and that's probably a really good point too, right? It depends on how your home and your TV viewing area is configured compared to where you have your other assistants. Yeah, for sure. So uh, another, I I think, odd choice here, 
but could also be one for cutting cost is that the rumor is that it also won't have HDMI. This won't be like uh, an audio return channel device. You'll have to connect it to your TV with an optical audio cable, which, you know what? Maybe that's a more reliable method because <laughs> maybe that's really not a bad idea. Because it's not horrible. It's odd, but it's not horrible. Right. Right. Well, and for some people, it might be preferred because it means you're not giving up an HDMI port just for a speaker. Yeah. It it's so 2005 though, right? I mean, it just seems like a weird throwback to uh, almost decades old technology at this point. Oh, for sure. Decades old technology. Yeah. I mean, optical audio cables go back to like the nineties, I think. So super old, but they can do it because this doesn't support, you know, all of the fancy new audio codecs. It doesn't support Dolby Atmos. Like you're not getting Atmos sound out of this $250 sound bar. Right. So so you don't need all of the advanced capabilities that an HDMI cable would provide. So and as you're works. describing all this stuff, I'm thinking about all the licenses that they're saving money on. <laughs> That's a really good point. Right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So another possible unique feature for this, though, is that you can you, you might be able to use this as the surround, like the, the surround or what some might call the rear speakers in an arrangement. So maybe you've got the arc up front and the Sono subwoofer and you you wanted your your rear speakers. You could buy this and use it as those rear speakers, which is kind of a cool option. Strange, but yes. But like it, if it was just seat like you just place it on the the little table that you've got behind your couch. Like I that, mean, that would work. That really would well. be right in my ears. It would have to be on the kitchen island or something, which would be in the way. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how this would be set up in most homes. And I also feel like people expect separation from their surround speakers. So I'll be curious to see how that works in that setup. Yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully this is real. And hopefully it's coming really soon because Sonos makes some really good sounding stuff. So even a $250 soundbar from Sonos, I bet is going to sound better than almost every other $250 soundbar that you can buy. I have a theory that I don't think anybody has talked about, and it's probably so far off that it's just not the case. But I'm wondering if this is a third-party Sonos device like the Symphonique speakers from Ikea. Interesting. Maybe even from Ikea, but Mm. that would be a good explanation for the low, low cost from this. For sure. That's interesting. Although this is supposedly called Fury, which that's got to be a code name because that that doesn't match with anybody. That's supposed to be... As I understand it, that's a code name. I, I yeah. don't believe that that's going to be the product name. Yeah, I, I can't imagine Sonos goes to market with something called the Sonos Fury. It, it sounds a little too, I don't know, gamery. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not not high quality audio stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, 
I didn't even intend to uh, transition us into gaming with with that comment, but no, I did. but that was much better than the last. One. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so on to our gaming news. We're finally getting details on what is going on with Sony's changes to their their upcoming replacement subscription services for all of their different stuff. So they they had PlayStation Now, they had PlayStation Plus. We we talked a couple of episodes uh, ago about it being split into a a three tiered system that that is all going to fall under the PlayStation Plus branding, and we we've now got dates for all of that. So uh, for starters, if you're in the U.S., all of this new stuff will be available starting June thirteenth. If you're in Europe, June twenty second. If you're in Japan and Asia. Which I'm they're late May, early June. I, I don't have the exact dates in front of me because I don't think we have very many listeners in Japan. So the the cool thing here that I really wanted to focus on though is so they currently have PlayStation Plus, which is their Xbox Live Gold sort of subscription service that gets you access to playing games online and a couple of free games a month. And then they also have PlayStation Now, which is uh, their their service that's a little bit more like Xbox Game Pass, where it's this giant library. It's like 700 games, um, but most of that is streaming. You you stream those uh, through through the internet, like Xbox Cloud Gaming or Google Stadia or something like that. Both of those have different prices. What they're doing is if you have an active subscription for both of those services, they are going to combine that subscription into one, and it'll be the PlayStation Plus Premium tier, which is the the top tier, which makes sense because PlayStation Now is a very expensive service. It it was $20 a month. So you're you're going to get converted into PlayStation Plus Premium, which will eventually cost you $17.99 a month. But the really nice thing is because you can be subscribed to those separately, those subscriptions, you might've prepaid for different amounts of time for both of them. So it's not uncommon for people to have in the past purchased multiple year-long PlayStation Plus subscription cards and stacked them and had three, four, five years of PlayStation Plus that that that's just banked. Now you haven't been able to do that for a few months because they stopped selling the the one year PlayStation Plus cards at most retailers in anticipation of this. But let's say you did that. Let's say you have five years of of PlayStation Plus that you've already paid for at probably less than sixty dollars a year, probably more like forty dollars a year, and you have three months left of. PlayStation Now, which is the more expensive one. When when this service rolls out June 13th, they're going to combine those into one combined service where you're going to have all of those same features plus all of the new stuff for the length of the longer contract. So in this case, you would have the, the PlayStation Plus premium tier for five years because you had five years of PlayStation Plus already, which is a pretty great deal. And I mean, they're basically doing 
The same sort of thing that Microsoft did when they started combining all of the Game Pass stuff and came out with Game Pass Ultimate. If you had Game Pass and Xbox Gold Live, they just combined it into Game Pass Ultimate and you got your subscription for whichever one was the longest, which for most people was Xbox Live Gold, which was typically the cheaper thing, actually. So pretty great deal if you're in that that PlayStation family of services. Uh, you could be getting the top tier service at a really great price, which is uh, essentially free because you've already paid for it for how, however long your current subscription is. So cool stuff from I'm from Sony. Kind of surprised by how consumer friendly that is. Right, consumer friendly is not Sony. what Sony does. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm surprised by it too. For sure. Well, one more good announcement for you PlayStation 5 fans. We've been talking about it. It's finally here this week. The PlayStation 5 update is rolling out to support variable refresh rate on the new console. So again, variable refresh rate, it's the the technology that syncs your display's refresh rate, your TV, which is probably either 60 hertz or 120 hertz, or your gaming monitor. It syncs that refresh rate with the frames per second being rendered by the game, which is oftentimes bouncing between all sorts of different numbers. And what that does is it completely eliminates screen tearing from it trying to keep up with with, with the rendering of the game. And it'll typically reduce input lag also. So it's just a great feature to have all around. It's something that Xbox fans have been enjoying for years. The Series X and Series S launched with this back uh, in 20... Oh my gosh, 2020? Yeah, 2020 is when those all those new consoles came out. Forever ago. So there you go. Finally getting it this week on your PlayStation 5. And with that cheery bit of news, that's it for all of our news this week. So we get to jump into what's going on in our entertainment centers. And Richard, what's going on in your entertainment center? Wow, that was a quick show. I don't have a whole lot to stretch this out with. So (laughs) I have been keeping up on a number of shows. Picard, I have to say, I'm less enthused about Picard nearly three quarters through the season than I was, say, a quarter through. So I hope they pull it out because it just hasn't been as good as. I think it needs to be. There was, go figure, another new episode of New Amsterdam. So I watched that. I watched another episode of The After Party. Finished Severance. Wow. Wow. So I get what everybody was talking about. It's dark. It's hard to watch. It's slow. Watch it. Wow. It delivers. There is a second season already announced. Thankfully. Because it would suck if there weren't. <laughs> it's really good. The way they wrap the season up, wow. It's, yeah. So I know very little about this, Richard, but the way that you're talking is giving me kind of Mr. Robot vibes. And what I'm curious yes. about is yes. you also say it's very dark. So, uh, like, I've 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 watched some fairly dark stuff, and I think Mr. Robot is one of those fairly dark shows. When when we're talking about dark, 
are we are we talking more in in the Mr. Robot range or are we talking and I just blanked on the name of the show. It was the Netflix show, futuristic um like the first one, the very first episode was uh they recorded a they had a video of a politician doing bad things with an animal. Oh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Oh, yeah, this is way more Black Mirror uh. than but but it's not so because i didn't like black mirror i because black mirror pushed your comfort levels i don't think that this goes that far i don't think that this is that uncomfortable but it's it's one of these things that creates a dystopian environment and the the you know the whole thing about it is severance you know it's a very clever name because it's about a company and you think severance okay oh well you're you know you 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 have a difference between your work life and your home life, and so your severance is that you have your you know this work balance. No severance is your home life and your work life are severed. They're severed from each other, and you at work don't know anything about you at home, and you at home don't know anything about you at work. You're the same person, but they don't know anything about each other. And so you can see how this could go bad very quickly, <laughs> and you think. At least I thought, okay, so they're just going to set the stage and then eventually you're going to see that the people are going to start to wonder kind of like, you know, Logan's Run style. There's a throwback. Hey, something seems a little off here. Why, you know, maybe this isn't right. That happens in episode one. <laughs> I mean, they dive right in. So, it, yeah, it's good. It's really good. And the way they wrapped it up and the finish that they gave it was just phenomenal. I can't recommend it enough. You should watch it. Stick with it. It is slow at parts. Stick with it. It's really good. Great cast as well. And that's on Apple TV Plus? That is on Apple TV Plus. Okay. Watch another episode of Doctor Who, which, as I mentioned, we are buying now because they're on my TiVo and I don't know where that is. And we also watched Free Guy. On Disney Plus, this is a Ryan Reynolds comedy that looked really silly when the promos came out, and I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. And I started hearing things about it. It's awesome. If you're a gamer or if you understand computer technology and you get the idea of creating worlds and having characters in those worlds and what it might be like to witness people in those worlds, maybe not knowing that they're characters in those worlds, a la Truman Show. This, this movie is so much fun. It is absolutely delightful. I can't recommend it enough. I thoroughly suggest you go check this out. It is on Hulu and it is on Disney+. Plus. You should go watch it. Speaking of Disney Plus, I saw this past weekend that through my Delta MX, I can get a full refund for the Disney Plus bundle for the next couple months. That's cool. Right. Now I thought, all right, well, I already have the advanced subscription for Disney Plus. So is it really going to be worth it? Because I'm paying something like, I don't know. A ridiculous four dollars a month or something for the initial 
Oh, right. Thing that they offered. Buy three years and you get it all for some crazy price. Right. But the, that pre-order bundle before it launched. Right. Yeah. But I also have Hulu. And this bundles Hulu in. And even with Hulu, I would get like a $3 or $4 credit, ultimately, by the time you bundle those things and I get this credit for it. So I thought, okay, well, that's pretty cool. I'll do that. And I did that through the Disney website. But then it wouldn't let me go back to my Hulu plan with no ads because I have Hulu with no ads. Right. And I want the bundle that has Hulu with no ads, which you can get. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't do that through Disney Plus. So I had to call Disney Plus and they had to undo my bundle upgrade that I had just done. And then I had to go over to Hulu. And at Hulu, where I have Hulu with no ads there, I could sign up for the Disney Plus bundle and get the Disney Plus bundle with no ads. And I also get ESPN Plus, but I don't care. <laughs> but ultimately, this gets me everything that I want, again, with a little bit of a discount each month, because now I get credit for whatever I was paying for for Hulu, which I think was like, Oh, twelve dollars at this point, something like that. Something like that. Maybe thirteen. Yeah. So if you happen to have the Delta American Express cards, you may want to look into this. If you also have Hulu, you may want to actually sign up for this through Hulu. It will be easier. Yeah. Good tip. So Anthony in the chat is asking if either of us have watched Moon Knight. I have not, of course. <sighs> I have not. I have it on my list. I want to watch it. My my friend Jenny Josephson has been having a really hard time with it. She's she said that it's a real slog. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. Like I already feel like I'm watching TV late at night, so I need stuff that is going to keep me awake. Something <laughs> that I'm gonna have a hard time following. Like I fell asleep through a couple of episodes of Severance, and that is not a negative comment about severance it's that it is a quiet slow methodical show and watching that at midnight may not work for some people didn't work for me i think similarly i've heard that moonlight moon night sorry is very different from the other marvel character properties and it's kind of hard to get through but i want to try it i'm just, you know, I have a list. I have a big, long list. It's going to be a while. Yeah. And it's probably never going to be on my list. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But you do have something on your big, long list that you checked off that I have not yet. Yeah. So, I I watched Spider-Man No Way Home. I can't remember if this was during the podcast or if this was in the after show last week. Oh, we didn't do it live. Um, But... But Richard and I were were planning to watch this, you know, around the same time so that we could talk about it together on the show. Right. And I didn't give Richard much of a heads up. In fact, no. I don't think I gave you a heads no, up at fact, all. No, in fact, he said, I watched Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> That's the heads up that he gave me. Yeah, I, I think I told you on Sunday that I watched it uh, when when I watched it on, on Saturday. So that didn't give you a whole lot of time to try and watch this new movie uh, but before recording on, on Wednesday this week. So I'm going to save what I have to say. Ooh, 
So All right. that means you have to watch it within the next week. Well, that means that I have to watch it between now and the next time that I'm on the show with you. <gasps> what? Which better be next week? Oh, <laughs> I'm not home next week. <laughs> okay, then I guess you get a couple of weeks and I'll try and not forget things. No, I, I, I don't think I'll have a, a hard time. So, yeah, I, I did watch Spider-Man No Way Home. I will save any of, of my comments for, for when I can talk about it. Richard, I think that's about all I actually watched. Uh, Jen, as oh. as she normally does, uh, or at least as she regularly does, decided, hey, let's put on uh, Avengers Endgame. Like that's, she's, like, that's just her go-to. She's like, it's Saturday. Let's turn on Avengers Endgame. I could totally watch that again. I don't know that I would watch that every Saturday. It's not every but Saturday, but it's probably it might be like nice to catch up and kind of figure out. Okay, where was everything before we look at the rest of the universe? It's so depressing at the beginning, though. Like, well, it, yeah, but the beginning is the end of the last film. So essentially, yeah, yeah. But like, if if you're just turning on a movie on a Saturday afternoon that you know you might not finish, why are you gonna why are you gonna pick one that starts so depressing? I I don't know. Whatever, but like it is, it is obviously one of the best of uh, Marvel movies. But still, it's so depressing at the beginning. So depressing. <laughs> and and when I when I say the beginning, I mean the very beginning. That opening scene is so hard to watch. Right, the opening sequence basically it picks up. It it overlaps the end yeah. of the prior movie. Right, right. Yeah, it's hard. So. Did did see like a third of <laughs> of Avengers Endgame again. Um, then of course played some NHL over the last week and a little bit of Final Fantasy thirteen. I keep going back to this game. This game is twelve years old. I think it is an Xbox three sixty game. Um, but I just like I, I just have this thing in the back of my head that says you've got to you've got to finish Final Fantasy thirteen. I don't know why. It's fine. It's it's not like it's the world's greatest role-playing game, but I don't know, there's something about it that makes me want to play it. And for those of you who've been listening for years, you might be sitting there going, Josh, you've played through some of this before. I remember. It was probably like six or seven years ago. And you got like 10 or 15 hours into it and said, you didn't care about any of these characters and you didn't understand why you were still playing I remember all of that, and for some reason, I'm still playing this game when I'm not playing NHL. I I don't understand it either. Hmm. Is my um, completionist tendency wearing off on you? Well, I uh, see, but that's the thing. Like, I kind of don't want this to turn into a completionist thing because <laughs> Final Fantasy 13 is actually three games. There's 13, 13, two, and. I don't think they called it 13.3. I think it was Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13, or something stupid like that. And each of these games is like bare minimum 50 hours of gameplay. So if I'm going to complete this, even in my more minimalist approach to completing these types of games, it's going to take me months. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just, I, I think so much of it is I'm so depressed that. Like the next Final Fantasy game we're going to get is only going to be on PlayStation. And the one that I actually want to play, the Final Fantasy VII Remake, is still only on PlayStation. I thought it would have been on Xbox by now, but it's not. 
I think I know what it is, Josh. <sighs> this is your HGTV. This is your not watching the news. Yeah, I don't need to watch the news. That's a podcaster for. I don't need to waste my time watching it when I can listen to it at 1.75x, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, not entirely related, but I also got a new phone. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to call it out because I have a, one of our listeners to thank, uh, a, a long, long time listener, Ryan. I had tweeted a few weeks ago how frustrated I was that being a long time Verizon fan or Verizon subscriber, you know, giving Verizon money every, lots of money every single month, and you still don't get deals when you want to upgrade a phone. And uh, Jen has been using a Pixel 3 for, I don't know, going on four years now. Like, it's an old phone, and she deserves something new. And so I wanted to get her a Pixel 6 Pro, and uh, Verizon wasn't really willing to deal. And um, Ryan said, go to AT&T. They gave my girlfriend $800 trade-in for a phone. And so I went over to AT&T and found out, yeah, they'll give us $800 for her ancient Pixel 3. What? Yeah, it's insane. So like, you, you still have to do the like uh, pay for it over three years and all of that sort of crap that they tie you to, of course. Wait, three years? Yeah, both Verizon and AT&T now, the contracts are three years, not two years. Um, and so... But it means that that we're paying like three dollars a month for for this phone instead of a million dollars a month because it's like a thousand dollar phone. Um, and so then I thought, well, my my phone isn't that old; it's only like a year and a half old. But if they're going to give me eight hundred dollars for it, it would be stupid not to get a new phone. So I also got a Pixel Six Pro for myself, and my daughter has an ancient iPhone eight plus. And she's been really good with it. She hasn't broken it. And I thought, I don't know, maybe I can get an awesome deal for her too. It's not the same. Turns out, if you want an iPhone, they're going to make it as hard and as, as expensive as possible. Uh, if, if I were to trade in a Pixel 3 for an iPhone 13, they would give me like $200 off or something like that instead of the $800 off that they would give me on a Pixel 6 Pro. It doesn't make any sense. Does that not seem counterintuitive. I don't, I don't weird. It sure I don't does. get that. So I did all sorts of weird wrangling. I bought an extra, uh, pixel three for $80 used as my trade in. Uh, yeah, it's, this is weird. It's super weird. So I, I bought a new, uh, uh, sorry, a used pixel three for $80. Use that as the trade in for mine to get my pixel six pro and traded in my phone which is a Samsung Galaxy S20 FE for my daughter's iPhone 13. And they gave us $700 for that phone against her iPhone. So they're all still dirt cheap now. And I, I had to pay 80 bucks for a Pixel 3 and it totally works out. <laughs> it's weird and it doesn't make any sense, but it worked out Very in my favor. Very strange, but cool. Cool for you. Yeah. Yep. So I've got a giant, awesome new phone. Like just today. So I'm excited about that. All right. Yeah. All right. That's it for uh, what's going on in our entertainment centers and I guess our, our pockets that were where the phones go, I guess, unless you're a girl and don't have pockets. Uh, so if you'd like to find uh, links to everything that we talked about, 
um, all of the stories and all of that. It's in our show notes over at the digital media zone.com. If you want to get a hold of us, all of our contact information is over there. If you want to do it quickly on Twitter, Richard is at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard. And the website is at DigiMediaZone. But while you're over at the website, you could check out some of the stuff Richard's been doing, like episodes of the Home On podcast. Richard, what's going on with Home On? Yeah, so I talked about the latest episode last time we recorded Entertainment 2.0, which was the episode with Seth Johnson from the Home Tech Podcast. Coming up, I have Rohan Karmandi, the co-host of the Home Assistant Podcast, to finally, at long last, talk with us about Home Assistant. And why? Because a lot of people using Insteon are looking toward Home Assistant as a way to keep it alive. So we talk about how you get started in Home Assistant. That'll be coming up next week. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, we also did the show live tonight. We're, we're we're back to live, although apparently not next week if Richard's not around. Maybe not. So, well, I mean, you know, you could do it live without me. I, I, I can't. I won't take it personally. That's true. That's true. So we we do that on Twitch. It's normally Tuesday nights at eight thirty p.m. Eastern. Sometimes we have to bump it to Wednesdays. Follow us on Twitter to find out for sure when the show is going to be because it is a lot of fun having you all in the live chat while we're doing this. Plus you get to see our faces while we do this. I don't know if that's a plus or a minus, but it is a thing that is out there. <laughs> so that is going to do it for episode 587. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.